Welcome to Business News and Other Shit. I'm your host, Amr. Thank you so much for tuning in to a show that's been called The Perfect Listen for Busy Fifth Graders with ADD. I'm an entrepreneur and an aspiring stand-up comedian, improviser, and my favorite job, stay-at-home dad. In a previous life, I graduated from the University of Chicago, <clears throat> the Harvard of the Midwest, with an A.B. in economics. And after that, for 10 long years, I worked as an executive director for J.P. Morgan. <clears throat> Sold my soul. You may be asking why someone in their right mind with a wife and two kids would give up such a prestigious and profitable position to become a lowly comedian. And to that, I would say, uh, it's way more fun and maybe... Don't be such a jerk about it. Our goal with the show is to entertain you with funny stories, jokes, and one-liners about investing and business and money, and hopefully make you a stronger and more financially secure person. Basically, we want to help you increase the size of your backup stash. Backup stash being that secret stash of money that keeps you afloat after you tell that horrible boss to get the hell out of here, or you want to travel around Southeast Asia for the next six months. Join us every Thursday. We tell some funny stories, jokes, have a good old time, and you know what? Maybe learn a few important things. Guys, uh, I've got a, a, a friend of mine, Sam Prickett, on the show hey, with us today. that's me. Sam, um, thanks for coming on the show, man. Thank you for having me. Uh, we, we, I, I, I do stand up at open mics with Sam, and we get along uh, at times. And when we were getting along last night, I'm like, hey, why don't you come on the podcast with me? He's like, done. So, um, you know, now Sam. Here I am at 6 o'clock in the morning. Uh, <laughs> thrilled. <laughs> Sam, how much do you know about business absolutely zero perfect perfect it's just a guy savings account oh and that that's all i know that well shit that's With actually zero money in either i mean that's a little bit more than i would have hoped i hope you're more of a payday loan kind of guy but that's cool i don't even know what that word means <laughs> there's a whole industry that's like a cottage industry of people who just uh, companies who just um will take your paycheck instead of you depositing it into a bank account cash it for you keep 20 percent of it and give you the rest in cash because a lot of like, especially illegal immigrants, don't like to use bank accounts because they they're afraid, you yeah. know. Um, and a lot of times they can't open bank accounts because they don't have a social security number. So they go to these payday loan uh, industries or payday loan, um, like almost like currency exchanges. That's crazy. And they charge you some stupid amount of money just to cash your check so you don't get uncovered by the government. Twenty percent of everything you make. It sometimes I think it's more, by the way. Like it's it's literally, it's in my opinion like um it's like a, it's a huge sin. Sinful. Yeah. If he, I thought maybe he would use the payday loan stuff, and that would have been even better. Like he just knows nothing about even bank accounts. Unfortunately, you know he has a checking in his savings. Um, guys, so thanks, thanks for listening in. Um, let's jump straight into it. We're gonna talk about a bunch of stuff today. Uh, we're gonna talk about turkeys. Yeah. Sorry, singular turkey, the country. Um, they are uh, uh, barreling towards failure as a country. Uh, I don't think they really know it, it seems to me, based on what their president is saying. Uh, our president, President Trump, is completely um, – <laughs> like they're having a big spat right now. Erdogan, who's a strong-arm leader, and Trump, who's a strong-arm leader. They're both like you know fighting each other publicly on Twitter and all this other stuff. I'm just waiting for them to have like a big French kiss on at some point. Um, so we'll talk about Turkey and how how Turkey might be barreling towards towards failure, but how that could be contagious towards the rest of the global economy and could literally, you know, have a damaging damaging effect on our own economy. What do you mean the Turkeys like they don't know they're they're 
their economy is collapsing. Like they're like a drunk driver that doesn't know that they're swerving in between the lanes. That driver swerving between the lanes is drunk on power. <laughs> yeah. Got it? Yeah, yeah. So, so that's the problem here is Erdogan has like passed in parliament – for like serious authoritarian rules where he can like he can almost it's almost like China he can now rule without much check into his power the judiciary has weakened hugely I don't even know if they have a judiciary anymore like a Supreme Court um, uh, they he he basically has his son <laughs> he has his son-in-law his daughter's husband running the central bank like the Federal Reserve Bank it's his son-in-law so he basically tells him what to do with interest rates you know while they're um, while they're eating you know dinner and Turkish delight. You know what I mean? That's, that's, so it's not a good situation in Turkey. It's very, very precarious. But again, Turkey's Turkey, 75 million people, they could fail, but there's a bigger 7 billion people global issue that Turkey brings up. We'll talk about that. Um, we'll get into technology. Um, as we talked about last week, Alex Jones, <laughs> Sandy Hook was a hoax, that guy. The prophet. Yes, yeah. the, 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 the rights evangelical mm-hmm. prophet. Um, this guy uh, has been taken off of Apple, Facebook, Google, YouTube. YouTube being the most important because that's where all his viewers were. And and so this is all part of a so Alex Jones is just For one like hate speech. Really, like they're saying that yes, yeah. Dehu- they call it dehumanizing speech, is what the terms that these tech companies are using. Anything that because they say okay, they say they say that the you go from uh, conspiracies to dehumanizing speech. To violence, they say that there's a path to violence. That's the path. So once you get to dehumanizing, we can take you off. So now the bigger Alex Jones is just a small thing. The bigger thing is these tech companies have been just, you know, themselves barreling towards infinite stock prices. Right? Google is. I mean, sorry, Apple is worth a trillion dollars. It's the most valuable company in America. The the best example we had was um, the big four banks. Right, these hugely valuable banks: J.P. Morgan, Bank of America, Citi, and Wells Fargo. Together, all four put together are equal to Apple in terms of value. So Apple is just one of the you know one, it's like literally a, a big chunk of our economy. Just Apple in and of itself, and Amazon and Google are right behind them. So tech is kind of taking over the world in some sense, especially from a just power perspective and value. They just have so much money. So I think Congress is going to begin to clamp down on these tech companies because the tech companies are basically saying, hey, we are taking the First Amendment free right of speech, free speech to the nth degree. We can do whatever we want with it. But then they're realizing, oh, shit, no. Um, we need to pull these guys back. And they just it's like Standard Oil or um, U.S. Steel. They're kind of becoming a little bit of a monopoly in some sense. So, so the government may want to rein these guys in. Yeah, these tech, like Apple specifically, or just tech companies in general? Or? Well, this is my judgment. This is not like actually happening in Congress. Congress is starting to ask, senators and congressmen are starting to ask questions like, why are they worth a trillion and why do they have so much power? The fact that they're taking Alex Jones off, yeah. Republicans can only be right now like, well, who's next? You're going to take yeah. Trump off? You're going to take. So they're feeling like, these enough, liberal, like, these liberal yeah. tech companies are just trying to screw us. Yeah. I don't know if the average Republican, though, is like an Alex Jones guy who's like trans-dimensional pedophiles and you're like normal, like just Reagan Republican who's like, the man makes some points. <laughs> Here's the thing. 
You, you ready for this? Yeah. And this will be the last thing I, I say about so. this, and then we'll get back to it. Once he was taken off last week, once Alex Jones was taken off last week, you'd think that he would have less of an opportunity to get to his followers. YouTube is fucking, he's off YouTube. Alex Jones created an app, and that app is now the number three app overall on Apple's store. <laughs> that's, a, that's hilarious. It doesn't even matter that he's not on YouTube anymore. He just created an app, and everyone's down, all his followers down. The fact that it's the number three app, I don't know, Sam. Maybe more Republicans are listening to him than you think. That's probably, yeah, no, that's crazy. Number three app, Alex Jones, InfoWars. All right, the next thing we're going to talk, recession. Are we going to say something? Yeah, I was just going to say that uh, Alex Jones is uh, uh, Bill Hicks uh, in disguise. You read that conspiracy theory? <laughs> I haven't heard yeah, that one. Yeah, people think that Alex Jones is like <laughs> Bill Hicks faked his death and is now uh, a right-wing uh, crazy. <laughs> I don't know why. That would be so. hilarious. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm just going to put this out there. I think Tupac is really Hillary Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll get behind. <laughs> All right, we'll get then we'll get to uh, recession watch. So I am feeling more and more confident that a recession is on the horizon. Um, the twos tens yield curve should mean nothing to you guys, but this is basically a measure of interest rates. It's a very specific, uh, confusing measure of interest rates. It is moving more and more in the direction that suggests a recession is on the horizon. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that. And so, and what, what the hell does that mean? If a recession is coming, let's say in 2019 or 2020, what does that mean? How would a person get ready? Think about that. Um, then we'll do a little personal finance stuff. We talked about money, uh, financial well-being last week, as opposed to making an income, how it's, how I believe a person's anxiety around money can go down if they focus much more on their financial well-being as opposed to maximizing their income. And we distinguish between financial well-being, which is like, yo, do I have my arms around my financial situation? Versus, what's my job and how much money do I make? I, I just think that it's much better to, to move one, one's thinking towards financial well-being as opposed to always just focusing entirely on income. And so I'm going to get a little bit more into like, what is money anxiety? Is that a real disorder? You know, like what can a person do if they think they have money anxiety. Are people saying that's a real disorder? Like you can go to the doctor and be like, listen, I'm poor. And he's like, here's some Xanax. It'll figure itself out, you know? Get exactly. Minimum wage. You know what will help you? Drugs. There you go. Helps everything else. Why wouldn't it help money anxiety? Exactly. No, people are saying it's a real thing. And, um, you know, honestly, I think honestly, sometimes I think money anxiety is a bigger disorder than, than a lot of these other disorders. Maybe not. I'm not talking about paranoid schizophrenia. I'm not talking about bipolar. AIDS isn't real. <laughs> Money anxiety. Money anxiety, yeah. That's what, that's what Magic Johnson really had. Um, so we'll talk about that. And then finally, Tesla. Our boy, Elon Musk, creator of the most amazing robots and technology, um, tweeted he's taking his company private. That'll be the last thing we talk about um, with Tesla and, and Elon Musk. And what, what does that mean for their stock? What does that mean for Elon? What does that mean for anyone who wants to buy an electric car? What does that mean for the world of electric cars? Are we going to have a world where it's all electric cars in the next few years because of Elon? We're going to talk about that. All right. So let's jump back to Turkey. 
All right. So let's talk turkey. Gavo, gavo. Um, so President Erdogan of Turkey is having huge problems right now. And while I don't, I mean, listen, I care about Turkey as a country. I care about these 75 million human beings. Um, well, well, I don't, I don't, I don't have my primary concern on Turkey. It's my secondary concern. My primary concern is Turkey is a great example of what the world, especially emerging markets, emerging economies like Brazil, Russia, China, India, a lot of these countries, what they were doing along with Turkey in the last decade was borrowing a lot of dollars for cheap. A lot of these countries, you guys may or may not know this, but a lot of these countries, in order to build their roads, schools, buildings, skylines, so on and so forth, will, when they had the ability over the last 10 years, as, as the dollar became weak against their currencies, they were like, hey, since our currency is so strong, let's borrow it's lots of dollars. Discount money. Discounted money, exactly. That's it's exactly the way you think about it. Coupon code. Yeah, it's a coupon. You got to think of money as a commodity in some sense when you're on the global stage. These countries think about money as a commodity. And so Turkey, along with many other economies, borrowed to the gills. Like they borrowed and borrowed and borrowed. I think Turkey's got probably, my guess is, I would guess $250 billion outstanding in debt that they owe that they borrowed over the last decade and a half. I've been to Istanbul, and I, I went with my parents back in 2012, and it's it, it's a beautiful country. And everything's like new. The roads are new. The, 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 a lot of the skyline is new. And it's all next to these really historic mosques from like a thousand years ago when the Ottoman Empire was, you know, ruled out of Constantinople, which is now Istanbul. Um, and the, and the, and the, the um, Holy Roman Empire, when, when, it was Con when Constantinople was the capital. It's a beautiful city. But they borrowed tons of money to do this, like tons. And so, um, you know, the, their problems are deep. And... How they're going to get out of these problems is not clear. Now, everyone's heard also. So, so there's this huge debt that they have outstanding. Okay? People have lent them money. Who's their biggest lender? Americans, believe it or not. American investors have lent. Like half of, the, half of their outstanding debt is lent by American investors. People who sit in offices in New York and Chicago and L.A. And they, they, they figure out who are we going to lend these dollars to from the teachers' retirement pension funds or whatever. They got to they gotta get a return. And Turkey's been paying them 5 6 7% interest. Um, but there's a serious problem now. Turkey can't pay that money back right now. They have a serious, serious problem. Do they have to like borrow more money to pay it off to like get? Is that how that works? Or are they just kind of like fucked? The first rule when you're in a hole, yeah. stop digging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll just dig our way out of this shit. Um, so so it, the, the, the answer, unfortunately, Sam, is painful, painful answers like you know the number one has got to be interest rate hikes they got to protect the currency so what does that mean so they they the istanbul the, the the turkish central bank needs to actually raise the interest rates on turkish lira they need to raise their own country's interest rates um to prevent inflation because a lot of what these countries were trying to do is like print a bunch of cash yeah. and then convert that cash into dollars and then pay back their debt because the, the debt is all denominated in U.S. dollars. Mm -hmm. The U.S. dollar is like the global reserve currency. Like oil, for example. Yeah, 
That's right. America. Um, so so uh, this is all after World War II when, when they came up with this plan where the dollar would be the reserve currency and they got rid of gold as the gold standard. Um, so, so these are all denominated dollars. So what these guys would love to do is, is print more lira, convert them to dollars, pay back the debt. But y- you can't do it because you'll just cause huge amounts of inflation. And then the lira will be even more worthless and you're in a bigger problem. So instead of doing that, you actually have to raise interest rates, which has the effect of basically causing people to save more lira and not keep spending. They need the Turkish people on just a economic decision, day-to-day basis. They need the Turkish people to stop spending for a bit. They've just been on a big spending spree the last decade. That's number one. No one likes that because higher interest rates suck. No one wants to save. They all want to spend. They all want to keep growing. And Erdogan is all about growth, growth, growth. Like This guy wants to grow his way out of this problem. It's going to be tricky. Number two is budget cuts. So the Turkish government would have to literally look at their budget and be like, all right, we can't spend on this. We can't spend on this. We're not going to keep building these roads. We can't, we're not going to keep building this. We're not going to keep building these skyscrapers, whatever. Jelly slicers. Exactly. Uh, it was, but hey, <laughs> one out of 10,000, right? <laughs> um, and then bankruptcies. So a lot of these companies who have borrowed from the Turkish bank, Turkish, Turkish Central Bank, to build their skyscrapers or whatever, they have a lot of, they probably can't pay their loans back. They probably haven't made a lot of the money back. So they need to just literally go bankrupt. And that's painful and it's necessary. So anyone besides Turkey who needs to solve this problem, those are kind of some of the painful, I'll say, um, austere types of actions you need to take to get a country back on track. It's just like what you do at your house. Like you'd stop spending at your, if you if you just went through a huge spending spree in your in your in your family, you'd be like, all right, we need to, we just binged. We need to stop spending. And this is what happens in January and February after Christmas. Everyone stops spending. They cut their budgets yeah. and and they start saving more. And and, and 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 if they need to declare bankruptcy with the US government, they they file chapter seven. That's yeah. what people do. So it kind of works like a person like if you don't have enough money just i mean the obvious thing to do is not spend more money yeah yeah cut it off right so is erdogan gonna do that hell no i don't think so of everything i read about this guy and see about this he's a total strong he's kind of like a trump he just like you know he, he he's he's endlessly I would say false hopes and false optimism that Trump has, in my opinion. I think he's got it. Erdogan's got it worse. By the way, these guys loved each other when Trump was first elected. They were like in bed together, like yeah, yeah, because Trump likes strong arm leaders. Trump loves Putin. You know what I mean? So Trump liked Erdogan. You know, and and Erdogan liked Trump. They're like yeah, yeah, let's uh, let's screw our uh, let's screw our population. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. You know, so that's kind of these types of guys. So they got along, but then. Um, you know, U.S. is having a problem with these guys. Everyone's hearing about the U.S. sanctions against Turkey, like where like tariffs are fifty percent on all Turkish goods. Turkey came back and said, "We're gonna, we're not going to buy any American electronics." America's like, "I don't care. You know, we got everyone else to buy them." Yeah. So, so there's a big spat between the U.S. and Turkey. Um, everyone thinks that's the problem, but that's not. That's that the problems go way deeper. They, they're the past decade and a half of what Turkey's been binging on from all this debt. So, you know, American investors own half their debt. American investors own probably a quarter of their stock market. Like, we own a lot of Turkish stocks. go all the way to the stuffing, right? More So, yeah. So, Turkey's in this, in this, I'm not, my mind is spinning now with all sorts of Turkey jokes. You know, I got to let him go. So, now, in some sense, who gives a shit about Turkey? 
Don't worry about Turkey. Like they're just they're the seventeenth biggest economy. It's not that big of a deal. It doesn't affect us, right? Brazil's been kind of doing the same thing. Russia's been totally doing the same thing. You know, there's so much money sloshing around the globe to lend to anyone who'll take it, and we've been giving it to some of these, excuse me, countries. So the world's about to end. Is what you're telling us. Potentially, I'm ringing alarm bells. I'm ringing alarm. I, I'm I'm being alarmist now. No, I, I mean. I, by sardine stock, uh, you know. Yeah, that's a safe way to yeah get a bunker. Buy sardines, stock in sardines, and find a, a brick of gold, and take that down into a bunker with you. Here's the picture, right? If Russia, Brazil, China, India, Turkey, throw a few more in there, Malaysia, some of these emer- Indonesia, some of these emerging economies that are like almost at you know, European, American type of development. Like, we're all developed. Uh, the West is developed. These countries are on their way to development. If they fail in some ways and can't pay their debt back, Turkey's just a couple hundred billion. All those countries together is trillions. And so a lot of American money and West, you know, European, French money, all this English money that has lent these countries all this debt, right? They were the bankers for all these, these you know, these countries, that will send huge ripple effects through the entire global economy and down to people like us. So that's the risk here is that Turkey is a microcosm of, you know, the, the global. The fan. Yes, they're, they're the microcosm of the shit hitting the fan. They're like a, a, f- a fleck of poop on the fan blade. Do you guys No. So I just spoke for like five minutes. Do you guys understand what I just said? Not at all. <laughs> no, but I do have a question. Did, wait, no, seriously, do, do, did you get all that, or does that not make sense? Yeah, I, I got the gist. Uh, there's some some uh, lingo that, uh, but yeah, no, it's just everything is bad. <laughs> and uh, That's the bottom line. Be scared. <laughs> yeah. What's your question? It, no, no, no. You, you remember the sine curve in geometry or in trigonometry or something like Things go up and down. The, the world is like that. You're like that. The weather's like that. Things go up and down naturally, right? You, you you have booms and busts in economies. That's actually healthy. You, you don't want them to be too boomy, and you don't want them to be too busty. Yeah. It's well, like a relationship where if you, They can be like, busty sometimes. You, you start, like, seeing a girl, and then uh, you start saying you love her, like, three days in, and then, you know, a week later, she's, like, throwing shit at you and... <laughs> Screen, yeah, yeah. You're, 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 you see, you're with the girl in a like a Walmart parking lot. She's only got one heel on. You're like pissing your pants. <laughs> That's love. <laughs> That's love. That's a weekend. That's so. So imagine a world where the economy only just keeps growing forever permanently. Something probably from an organic, natural, you know, doesn't a homeopath would be like that doesn't feel right. You know what I mean? Like a we don't experience it again. Well, I mean. What the hell does that even mean? We've never experienced that, so... <laughs> My brain just went... Pah. I was like, shit, is Yahya right? <laughs> I mean, so... Well, it's so, like it's coming from somewhere. It can't constantly grow because there's like... Then it would just be like making shit up to spend with. Like there are limited resources. So it has yes. to... Yeah. Here, think about it this way. The, the best example is when, uh, when a country just keeps printing cash and just giving it to people. If you think about it, like that's kind of how Saudi Arabia is. Like, not they're not the most productive country in the world. They have to, they do a lot of handouts to their population to keep to keep like unrest 
quiet. Yeah. Um, but like, if you just print cash all day long, no one will work. No one, you, you will not like, let's say there's oil in the ground, no one will mine it. Let's say there's diamonds in the ground, no one will get it. Let's say there's, uh, so, you know, the reality is money is just a tool to get people to be productive and use the, their most innovative minds. Money is just a tool. What Erdogan and other people people try and do is they try and be like, oh, no, 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 let's try and cheat the system, and our population doesn't have to be smart and productive and innovative. Let's just keep printing cash and uh, keep giving people debt and lending people and let them build more buildings, and that'll fix it. And so, no. Is that the yeah. actual thought process, or do they just get caught up in the momentum of that that they like can't stop? Like money seems like kind of a drug. So if you just print more money, you kind of get like fiendy, like yeah, you start like scratching. Let's think about it. Let's put ourselves in the shoes of, of President Erdogan. You're the president of a country of 75 million people. They look to you as their king, yeah. and they get their energy from you in some way, right? Mm -hmm. So he sees himself as kind of like the father of everyone, yeah. kind of almost papal. He's like a pope almost, you know? So he's thinking, I got to take care of my constituents, right? And it, you know, there's two ways to think about that. Build schools, get them to be good people, moral people, innovative people, smart, hardworking, motivate them that way. Invest in the community. Exactly. Or, or you can be like, hey, let's just borrow tons of money from all these other countries that are willing to give it at cheap and give it to like the top 50 business dudes to just expand their co companies beyond thinkable ways and they'll just hire a bunch of people because they'll have these big buildings and everyone will show up to work every day with their briefcase like but, trickle down economics kind of like reagan yeah shit. yeah but it, it doesn't it, that don't that's like a that's like a, a again a spec uh to to get an economy moving yeah, yeah. what gets an economy moving is like smart people innovative people Money's just a tool for those people to use. Yeah. You can't just sit there and just keep pumping money in from outside countries saying, well, hopefully this will grow our economy. No, you, there's so many other aspects to it. So, so ideally, you got a, a beautiful balance of like, oh, just enough money to borrow to build companies. But really, it's our population that's super, super smart and super productive. Japan's a good example, actually. They, they don't borrow much money from outside people at all. In fact, they, they lend money to a lot of countries, and their population is so educated, so productive, um, very moral, very, like, I mean, that's probably, that's subjective, but I mean, like, they're often on the straight and narrow, you know what I mean? And so their countries are so, so productive, so, you know, the economy is so strong, but it's such a small number of people. How are they the fifth or fourth biggest economy with only whatever million people they have? It's not, it's not huge. So they have a good balance between, yeah, we don't need much debt, we're just going to grow our economy internally if you will mm -hmm. so maybe that it's comparison like helps anime based economy right is what they have exactly they just have people sitting behind computers all day long yeah clicking mouses yeah mouses clicking mice <laughs> mouse eye making lexuses hey lex eye yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right so so that's turkey and I'm not saying doomsday is happening tomorrow. Just, that's crazy. No. It's more like next month. Oh, man. That joke didn't work. No, that's good. <laughs> Buy your gun stock, uh, you know, ammunition. Um, Campbell's soup. Campbell's soup. Sardines, uh, you know, 
get a friend, you uh, lonely losers out there. Uh, have someone on your side. Um, any thoughts? Any other thoughts about Turkey before we move on? You know what? It sounds like a darn shame. What's going on over there? We should. Uh, <laughs> we should take over the country. <laughs> yeah, no. go in. Show them who's boss. Goddamn Trump. Trump. Take it over. Listen to me. <laughs> Get in the situation room. Get Omarosa in there <laughs> and figure this shit out. <laughs> oh, wait. Omarosa's been fired? What? <laughs> All right. So um, let's go to the stock market and technology stocks in particular. Let's just go to the stock market. Stock market continues to be at all-time highs. With the turkey drama, we have had stocks drop the last two days in a row. They're, they're actually They've taken a good hit. Because people are starting to get a little worried, like, oh, is this a problem? Uh, stocks are back up today, but we had a couple days where they were taking a hit. Um, it's, it's really like a day-by-day thing. Like, today was a bad day, and then the next day it's like a completely independent thing. I mean, it's a minute-by-minute thing. <laughs> but what do, you, what do you mean specifically? Like, like uh, I, I thought it was like kind of a larger trend, but you just said, like... Uh, like uh, two days was rough, but it's back up today. So it's like it's really just, just. Uh, I don't have the word for it. Well, I'm gonna help you. Okay, so okay. I, I, I think I'm, I'm getting your drift now, which is good. I like this point you're making. You're basically saying, "Hey, man, I thought um, larger powers are at play in moving the stock market up and down, uh, like." geopolitical problems or like um you know a big recession or whatever yeah um and i and you're like but but you're saying day-to-day is what impacts these things and so the answer is yes absolutely so um fear and greed are in every human being and if you put that human being in the center of the financial markets at the, the, the literally the nerve center you have him sitting at Goldman Sachs or J.P. Morgan where I sat, or you have him sitting uh, in front of a terminal where he can trade stocks. You create a monster. You create a collective monster because okay. everyone's sitting at their computer terminal yeah. figuring out what they want to buy or sell with other people's money typically. So, so now everyone's reading the news. They're listening to this podcast deciding what they should buy or sell. And basically, if you just listen to what I said about Turkey – You'd be like, oh, shit. Well, maybe I should sell a little bit of my stocks and maybe buy something else that's safer, like gold or like oil, things that don't really fluctuate as much. You can buy these commodities. And and so, yeah, that's basically how it works. When you see Turkey starting to fail, uh, then the stock market might go down on Monday morning. Then the next day, when some smart dude is like, wait a minute, doesn't Brazil have this problem too in Russia? That second day, you'd be like, let me sell a little bit more now that I got this new information about Brazil and Russia and China. And then the third day, uh, Erdogan has announced that he's doing structural, major structural reforms and he's going to stop the central bank from doing this. And, and then it kind of goes up. Exactly. Then you're like, oh, wait, maybe he's actually going to take care of this problem in a way that we did. You know. So that's the ebb and flow of the markets. They're, they're heavily information driven. Mm-hmm. And so go ahead. No, it's just like 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 a ocean tide, but run by uh, dudes in suits, and uh, yeah, huh. exactly, exactly. Now it's not all dudes in suits. There's a lot of people who are wearing flip flops and chubbies, um, and, and they sit behind a terminal. Um, but that's that that's 
one of the concerns, actually. That one of the reasons we do this podcast is because a lot of where these people get their information and news from is the Wall Street Journal, CNBC, Fox Business News, Bloomberg Radio, which are hard to listen to if you've ever listened to those things. Um, it's often a lot of suits talking. And so I figured I'd do this podcast to just be an alternative to those things where you just, in plain talk, hopefully as plain as possible, we can talk turkey. Hey, that's, that's pretty good. Um, so, so, so the stock market is at all-time highs. It did take a little bit of a dip. Um, technology stocks are still doing pretty good. Facebook did lose their $100 billion when they basically took it on the chin. Facebook announced two weeks ago um, that uh, their revenues were down and they, their, their users are going down. And, and that's the first time Facebook's ever reported such a thing that they, they, their user growth has leveled off. Yeah. Um, so Zuckerberg himself lost $20 billion that day. The company itself lost $120 billion. That's so crazy. To just lose $20 billion and still be like the richest person, like to still be incomprehensibly rich, I feel like, ah, I just lost $20 billion. Like if I lost a $20 bill... <laughs> It would it would ruin probably six months for me. I would I would oh, think man. about that. <laughs> yeah, boy, don't give this guy any Benjamin Franklin's man. Wish we lost one of those. <laughs> so so um, I'm holding the view that technology stocks, okay, tech stocks, are um, are possibly overvalued. I'm making the point that with like the, the the microcosm example is Alex Jones and Infowars, Apple, Google, Facebook, YouTube all took him off. The only one who did not is Twitter. Okay, and and so these guys are think are basically feeling like maybe they were they are too um, liberal with the First Amendment free speech. And they're like, wait, maybe if Russia is... Liberal meaning like the old liberal where you're like actually pro-speech or the new liberal where you're pro-speech as long as you're saying the right things? The new liberal is okay. where they're moving into. Okay. But I also meant liberal not from the political perspective. I just meant like they were too free with free speech. You could say anything you want. And now they're like, uh-oh, people are dying in India when WhatsApp viral, once something on WhatsApp goes viral. Or, uh-oh, Russia is, you know, <laughs> messing up with our, messing our elections up. Or uh, other bad actors are just buying tons of Facebook ads and putting whatever they want up there. So they're starting to, like, pull the reins in. And one of the persons they pulled in was Alex Jones. And so I think you're going to start seeing the government step in here, right, and 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 regulate these companies in some way because because i think what they're worried about is that these companies are becoming the arbiters of the first amendment yeah if yeah. you think about facebook right facebook is just a basically the biggest newspaper in the world that everyone subscribed to that's yeah. what facebook is and is a publisher on like like everyone's a reader and a writer for that yes thing, exactly which is, uh you know most people are not great with their opinions. Most people's <laughs> opinions are dog shit. This is, you know, this is where you get your opinions right here on uh, business news, business news, and other shit. shit. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so I can only picture. So now, Apple's worth a trillion dollars. Amazon's worth eight hundred billion. Google's worth nine hundred billion. You know, these companies are worth like the majority of the not the majority. Amazon is worth more than Google now. I'd have to double check, but they're they're neck and neck. Okay. Yeah, they're ne they're neck and neck. 
neck and neck by like it's funny that it's neck and neck but they're like a billion dollar difference yeah right i know right so yeah these proportions are all crazy but the bigger point is the government's gonna be like whoa 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 whoa, whoa. if these guys really wanted to get organized politically they could lobby the hell out of washington with all their billions and and frankly from what it seems to me is these guys do not do much lobbying in Washington. They just stay in Silicon Valley and don't really hit yeah. up Washington. But they could. They could. Saying, like right. President Google, we could have. Exactly. It, it, we're probably not far from that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Larry or Sergey, the CEO. Yeah, Siri, the president. <laughs> you were like, I'm president sorry. Siri. We yeah. <laughs> uh, so ask a question. I'm sorry. I do not understand. What's the weather, President Siri? <laughs> Stormy. <laughs> it's just a. It's just a, they just kind of answer kind of generic <laughs> questions. Um, so if the government starts to clamp down on these tech companies the way they clamped down on U.S. Steel 100, you know, 100 years ago or Standard Oil when they broke up that monopoly, if they start to do that with tech companies, that's not good for tech stocks. Way more regulation. I would be selling tech stocks if I saw more signs of that. Or... If the Republicans are like, hey, wait a minute, you're closing down Alex Jones, but you're not closing down other really far-left Bernie Sanders types? What the hell? You're going to know the Republicans in Congress are going to be like, hey, they, you know, sh- you know, we get to decide who Apple shuts down and who Google shuts down and who Facebook shuts down. So the moment you get you know, these congressmen involved and, and policy involved with these tech companies and free speech – it's not a good sign. So Google worth a, tr- uh, you know, Apple worth a trillion. These companies are worth a lot more. I-, I would be thinking about right now, personally, selling some tech, getting ready for some crazy stuff in the next six to twelve months, and buying other more stable investments. Like what? I mean, you can buy. I I, I always turn to gold and oil, especially with if, if a recession's really coming. I'd be buying some gold. I'd be buying some oil. I'd be buying or just a commodity index. You can buy a whole group of like. You can, you can buy a stock that invests in platinum, copper, oranges, gold, so on, so it's forth. It's like just Oil. fruit stock. I could buy like banana stock. You can buy, you can buy, you can buy. Oh uh, shit, chiquita. avocado stock. That's <laughs> avocado. where avocado toast is super in. <laughs> totally. And that's the hipster. Oh, but what happens when, when, when the hipster trend ends and they move away from avocado towards papaya? Chia seeds. Oh, yeah, yeah. Papaya or. Uh, just yeah, I think they're just gonna start like juicing poor people, and, you know, <laughs> putting that shit in kombucha. It's homeless. Oh, that is not homeless juice. Was it? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good protein, a Probiotic. lot of antioxidants. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not cool. So that's my take on tech. Any? Do you get that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you were thinking about, hey, I'm gonna go buy a bunch of Apple because they're worth a trillion dollars, I'd be like, no, don't do that right now. Or if you're gonna buy tech, buy. Other tech, other than the big five, yeah. Facebook, flip phones, you know. flip phone stock, Razors. going back a lot of Nokia, Motorola, Motorola. Are they even in business anymore? Motorola, Google bought Motorola actually. A walkie-talkie, yeah. Nextel, mm-hmm. or just anything that like same. You're 21. The apocalypse. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what Nextel is? I know the name. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> How about Have you heard of Nextel? You have. Okay. Yeah, you probably just caught it. Nextel was the walkie-talkie version of cell phones. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You remember that, Chris? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, recession watch. So, 
the the Federal Reserve Bank is raising interest rates as we speak. Every month or two when they meet, they're raising the interest rate. They're raising the cost of money. That's what they're doing. So if you want to go, let's say, have a credit card and you're thinking you're paying 20%, well, it's probably now 22%. Um, if you wanted to buy a house and you thought you were going to get a 3% mortgage, it's probably more like a 4.5% mortgage, which makes your monthly payment on your house a lot more expensive. If you're building a five-story building or a three-story building and you're a landlord and you're going to borrow money to build that building, you're going to charge more rent because interest rates are going up. Interest rates have a big, excuse me, interest rates have a big impact on the economy. I've been talking about how raising interest rates is one of the greatest, most accurate predictors of recession. So when this, they go up, it's more likely for... People are more likely to save because they're like, oh, well, I can get a 5% CD. That's pretty good. I'm not going to spend as much money. I'm going to save. Um, builders are like, oh, I was going to build that building, that three-story, three-flat or whatever. But you know what? Now that interest rates are much higher, it actually doesn't make financial sense to build that building. And so less gets done in the economy. This is what Turkey should be doing. The U.S. is already doing it because they're worried about the economy overheating. Our economy has been booming for nine years. Our stock market is at record levels. It is like good times right now in America. After the, the very bad recession we had in 2008, we've done nothing but grow for like nine years straight. Yeah. So we're well, now, now... people are getting nervous. Especially the, the Federal Reserve, the central bank. They're trying to like land this plane smoothly. Yeah. The consequence of that often is when you're booming, it could create a contraction because you're raising interest rates and everyone's less likely to borrow money and build stuff. They're less likely to use their credit card. They're less likely to get a car loan. They're less likely to get a student loan because everything's just more expensive to borrow money at. It's not free money anymore. Very delicate. And they almost never succeed at it. They, they, they kind of want it to go into recession and they want the economy to shrink just a little bit. I mean, the the people in charge of this shit are probably going to be fine either way. Always. Yeah. The so economists it's really just and the, the people that, like me, who doesn't know a all of thing about it is, yeah. All of us are, are hugely impacted by it. I mean, it, it, the economy, every, every single presidential race the last 50 years, maybe, yeah, 50. I was going to say back to World War II. Uh, if, if this is World War II and you're voting for Eisenhower or Truman... Um, you're thinking uh, about war and global politics. Um, but we're in a whole different world now because America is the gold standard. We are the reserve currency. We are the leader of the world, uh, economically speaking and just generally speaking. For now. For now. Um, so, you know, when, I lost my train of thought. So when when you... America is the reserve currency. So when, you, when you're voting for a president 50, 50, 60 years ago, you're thinking about broader war politics the last like 10 presidents the last 40 50 years the first thing on every voter's mind how's this president going to impact our economy that's there's no way that's on every voter's mind most people no, like sorry, the people that voted voter. for trump are like ah yeah, he's racist that's my speed you know there's <laughs> no uh, I'm, uh, I'm sure most people smart people probably um you're right, not everyone. But but when you when you break down like 
percentages. Like, what's the most important thing to the you? The thing that present? should be on people's minds, you're saying. Well, no, no. I'm saying if you, if, sorry, not. I was extreme when I said on every single person's mind. That's not true. If you were to break down, hey, wh- how do people vote? Th- I think it's like 50% will say economy, how, the, how they believe this guy will impact the economy or this woman. Um, the second thing they'll say, I think, is geopolitics, like Middle East stuff, for- foreign policy, I think is another thing. Uh, and, and a couple other things that I can't think of right now. But usually most, at least 50% of people are thinking about the economy. So, so you know, people know that's, a lot of people know that's the biggest thing that impacts their day-to-day lives is their economic condition. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, so these central bankers are trying to rein in the economy to ha- to give it a soft landing. And so, you know, I would say at least sixty percent chance in my mind that we have a recession by two thousand beginning of two thousand twenty in the next twelve to eighteen months. That's crazy. So, like that starts. So we're trying, but we're trying to get it to go back a little bit. Is that yeah, yeah? Okay. We're trying to get the economy every but quarter, but not too far back. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's like 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 parachute. You can't like come in too hard. Exactly. Huh. Well, I've never parachuted, so I don't quite know that. Yeah, no, that was a really bad metaphor. <laughs> uh, Do you really have that much control over one's parachute when I, you're coming I, down? I, I can't imagine. I mean, maybe it seems like the people that know. What they're doing should, right? That's true. If you're falling from the sky, you should have a a little bit of control. My guess is you don't want to come in with your legs perfectly extended straight. (laughs) Snap your knees in half. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Like a parachute. You don't want to to come in too hard, right? I don't understand most of this stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. It's like driving a NASCAR, right? You got to take the turn. (laughs) Um, you so, your wheel on one side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a relationship, right? Where you give love and you you gotta, but you know, not too much. I'm waiting myself, waiting myself till marriage. That's the thing. Right. <laughs> waiting myself. I'm a waiting. I'm, I'm waiting myself. Waitin myself. <laughs> I'm waiting myself to marriage because you know I live in America. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's recession watch. Um, and you know what? That dovetails into the Turkey situation because like. If I'm thinking we might have a recession in 2019 and this turkey thing is a real problem, then that just exacerbates everything what the central bank is trying to do. And everyone will start raising interest rates and everyone will just speed everything up. And, 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 and you'll have, like, let's say Brazil, Russia, India, China, Turkey, Malaysia, India. Let's say they all do have major defaults on their, their debt. They, they are not able to pay back their debt. And they say, hey, American investors, you're screwed. Sorry, we're not giving you money back. But aren't, aren't, aren't we – how does that – work? because we are also in debt. We are. But but these people are just more in debt than we are? They're, they're – they're, Or they have a smaller economy, so there's less – Their debt compared to their economy suggests they're going to have trouble paying it back. Okay. Meaning okay. – meaning, Meaning our economy is huge, right? Our, car, our economy is rumbling along. So if we have all this debt, the amount of debt we have, we can still pay it off. Those guys have so much debt, they probably can't pay it off, especially because of their currency problem against the American dollar. The American dollar is strong. The Turkish lira is weak. Or the you know um, Indian rupee is weak. That makes their debt even more expensive to pay back. So if they all default and don't pay it back, 
guess who gets screwed? A lot of us Americans who have invested in these countries will lose a lot of money, and that will cause a recession very quickly because we'll be like, what? Uh, you know, Grandma, whatever, Cochran will be like, well, I don't know where I got that name from, but Grandma Cochran will be like, you lost my uh, pension fund? Well, I'm not going to, you know, go to buy my bread today. I'm going to buy bread only once a week instead of twice a week. And so everyone starts making these economic decisions at an individual level that will cause the economy to go into recession. So anyway, Recession Watch is, is just picked up a little bit in my mind with this whole turkey problem. Yeah. Okay. What does a recession look like, though? Like, like it's just, just less money going around? Like, how is it going to affect me? I have, to, I have to remind myself what it is exactly. So, okay, exactly. That's a good question. Thank you. So, first of all, a recession by definition, according to, like, you know, National Economic Bureaus, is, like, three straight quarters of negative economic growth, meaning the economy actually contracts and less services and goods are produced each each quarter, each year. So if less services and goods are produced in July, August, and September, this next quarter, the one we're in right now, and less goods are produced October, November, December, that quarter, and less goods are produced and services are produced in January, February, March of next year, it will now be announced, we're in recession. And the economy is shrinking. You don't want it to shrink to zero because then no one's making any goods and services. Our economy is huge, so it wouldn't shrink to zero, hopefully. Um, but like in the recession in 2008, the economy shrunk by like 20%. You know what I mean? It's like a big decline. Chunk, yeah. And the first thing that means is... So when the economy shrinks to zero, that's nobody making any money? Or that's... The most uh, concrete example I can give you is... When the economy is shrinking and companies are making less goods and services, what happens then is companies are firing people because they don't need them as much. Okay. They don't need dog walkers as much. They don't need uh, housekeepers, cleaning people. They don't need um, air conditioner manufacturer makers on the assembly line. They, don't, they just don't need as many because not as many people are buying air conditioners because they're just like, we're in recession. We don't have money. And so if all these people are losing their jobs, guess what? They don't have money to spend. And so that builds upon itself, you know? But that's the concrete example of what the recession is. The economy starts to shrink. Less goods and services are being made. Companies are like, I'm going to lay you off because I don't need you. That's how our capitalistic world works. Obviously very different in a communistic world, but we're talking about our own capitalistic world. Yes. So no doubt it does affect countries today. It did in 2008. And exactly right, in the Great Depression in 1929, it didn't have as much of an impact on the globe. It probably had a little bit of an impact on Europe because we were probably trading a bunch with Europe back then. Um, to, to what extent would it impact France, Germany, Japan, China, so on and so forth, Turkey, Mexico. Um, um, I can't answer that because it depends on how how bad things get. I mean, it got really, I got, I got to tell you guys, it got really, 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 really bad in 2008. The economy was brought down to its knees. Um, so, so, yeah, right? <laughs> it was brought down to its knees. It was very, it went from boom to busty. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I mean, like, stop. don't stop, keep going. Slower, slower, I'm slower. looking for the third one. I'm looking for the third one right now. It's not coming to me, guys. 
Um, I'm so don't blue ball me. <laughs> I'm close. <laughs> I'm gonna have a economic work explosion. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, so I mean, it was really bad in 2008, and yes, it affected if it affected other countries. I mean, the best example is so much money was getting lost. So many people were so distrustful of lending money to someone, to any company, that like the bond market was frozen. People borrowing money, it was, it was just like no one was lending or borrowing. It was just frozen. It got, like economic growth was just <coughs> choked. And when, the, when the, the loan markets are choked, you know, you can't really grow. So, you know, it was very hard for a lot of these countries to get out of it. Now, some countries were not as bad, like Japan, you know. Their biggest suffering was because we buy so many cars from Japan. So they're like, you know, Toyota and Nissan and Honda and Lexus and everyone in Japan was like, what the hell are we going to do? I'm sure they sounded different than that. But, um, you know, but yeah, it, it, the global economy and there's so much trade happening between countries. You know, each country is getting really good at what they know what to do. We do this good. They do this good. They do that good. And then they all trade. That was hugely compromised. And so it affected a lot of countries. Yeah. Everyone felt the economic pinch globally, and that that would probably happen. It will happen again. It could be not as bad, or it could be worse than two thousand eight. It's hard to think it would be worse than two thousand eight, but anything can happen. Yeah. Well, it seems like the isn't like the bigger it is generally, like the harder it falls, as they say. Like like if we're if it's as if the you know economy is as big as. Uh, you say it is right now, which I, I don't know why I said it like that. That means like I'm questioning you or something. Like, I don't know about this whole economy. But uh, wouldn't it make sense that it would fall like pretty uh, steeply? Or do we have a better understanding of what went wrong in 2008? So we can kind of have. Well, to the first point, we're Humpty Dumpty. And when we fall off the wall, like every, everyone feels it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um and yes, as Humpty Dumpty gets bigger, one can only imagine his fat ass will hurt the ground even more yeah. every time he falls. So I, I think that's probably right, yeah. you know. Because um, the economy now bigger than it was before it collapsed. Yes, it is. We've, yeah, we have, we've grown. Um, the thing is, Humpty Dumpty may not fall all the way down to the ground. Sometimes, like, maybe there's a ledge he'll grab onto or something. So, okay. so... Though we're so big, I do think we can grab on the ledges and things like that. So it doesn't have to be falling all the way down to the ground. Yeah. But we totally fell all the way like down. Like a parkour fall or something. <laughs> yeah, like one you, you can recover from. Yeah, like a cool one where you you know roll on the ground. Exactly. Yeah. That's good. I like that. Um, so so yeah. So I mean, that's uh, you know that that's the first question is like if we fall to the ground. It's going to be a hard fall, and as we get bigger, it gets harder. Do we understand 2008 better now? Of course we understand 2008 better, but we're America. Like, we're always f***ing shit up. So there's probably something cooking right now that we're completely unaware of, and it's our blind spot. Like, are we ever going to not have a blind spot? No, of course not. We're always creating crazy-ass financial products and crazy-ass shit. So we're always going to have a blind spot. The question is, like, are we so blind to it that we have another 2008? I think it's possible, yeah. I'd, I'd be dumb to say it's not possible. Perfect. Are you scared? Am I scared? Um, so, I mean, on a personal level, 
You know, man, I've gone through a lot of thought exercises because I, I lived through 2008 and I was actually on the front. I think I had a front row seat to 2008 financial crisis. That's when uh, you were working on Wall Street. Yeah, I was 2008. I was 28 years old and I was like six years into the job. Okay. So it wasn't like I was a rookie at the job. I wasn't yeah. an analyst. I was a VP. It. Yeah. yeah. I was like my clients were failing. You know what I mean? So I'd grab the paper every day and just read about it. And every day I'd be like, <gasps> Lehman's failing. <gasps> Merrill Lynch is failing. <gasps> Bank of America. You know, I was just like, what the hell? And then we, we like Bear Stearns, who started a lot of the problem. They were one of the first, they were the microcosm of the bigger problem. JP Morgan, we bought them. And so I was sitting next to Bear Stearns people that were working across the street just a week before. So it was like all real in front of my face. And so it messed with my head. It messed with my mental health. It messed with my head. It messed with my relationships. It's just like I, I was understanding it all too much. And I'm like, oh my God, our economy is at its knees right now. And so I had to start going through thought exercises. Of, I'm like, okay, wait. So if the economy fails, what am I going to do? And I literally thought about my family, like my mom and my dad and my siblings. I'm like, all right, we'll just huddle together or something. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like I started, Around like a trash fire. You make like <laughs> rice and beans. Exactly. You ride the rails like a, like a hobo. You know, you get a stick and a little uh, bandana. I mean, isn't that what family's for? The stick and the bandana and the, the, the trash yeah, can with the fire? Yeah. So, um... So I've gone through these thoughts. I've gone through the, the the bunker. I literally almost bought a bunker on eBay or something like that. That's I can't. Hilarious. I I was really? search, I was searching for this stuff. Like I understood it so well. I'm for like, like an e- economic collapse yes. or like a nuclear a bunker. Oh, just for like when the. Well, here's the thing, right? It, we're getting into deeper territory here, which we I'm happy to talk about. In fact, it might be interesting to talk about. I just I'm just concerned about time, but let's get into it for a little bit. If there's an economic collapse. And everyone loses their job, or at least a huge majority lose their job, and only the elite are able to like somehow make it out or say some somehow survive, or they don't because they often are the biggest investors in the stock markets, and even even they start doing nineteen twenty nine jumping off of buildings. One can only imagine that the natural escalation is anarchy and war. Yeah. Right. Like if there's economic class and people are not eating, everyone's clamoring for the remaining cows and pigs and whatever else is there. And clean water or whatever. You're trying to figure out. And the only people that survive are like the bunker people. And they have to repopulate the world with their weird conspiracy theory bunker DNA. What a weird place that would be. It's a bunch of Alex Jones fans. Like that's the entire thing. Except it would be me. So it would be the Palestinian Alex Jones. Yeah, no. <laughs> Just one of them. Yeah. It'd be the odd man out. Yeah. We all need to move to Jerusalem. I have no idea. Yeah, that would be good show, actually. Um, So, I mean, like, if there's an authentic economic collapse, you know, where productive Americans are not able to actually carry out their productivity, because we are very productive people in this country, extremely productive, sometimes the most productive, um, that... It sounded like create. Trump for a second. Yeah, we're extremely right? productive. We're yeah. the most productive. Um, you know what? I'm a stable genius, by the way. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so I mean like it just started to raise all sorts of questions in my head. I'm like, wait a minute, if this bank goes down and this goes down and that goes down and this, the domino effect will be this and I need to find a bunker. Yeah. (laughs) That was kind of what I was going through. So it kind of messed me up. So I mean, you know, uh, hopefully that gives you some idea of, you know, what does a, a full economic collapse potentially entail and it's it's anarchy people fighting for the, the the resources and war you know um so so 
I think it's a good dovetail into one of our last topics I want to talk about, which is money anxiety. Money anxiety. And money anxiety disorder, which I'm not saying, you know, you can go into a doctor's office and, 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 and get meds for this. But I'm saying that, you know, if you have fights with your spouse or partner about money on a regular basis, um, you're probably experiencing some serious anxiety that's causing you to want to attack the other person. Finance and money is like the number one reason people get divorced. One of the one of the top reasons people get divorced, if not the number one. So it's a real thing. Our 50% divorce rate is not by accident. Um, we've arrived at a place in this world where money is not seen as a tool to facilitate commerce. Money instead is seen as like, you know, the most important aspect of a human yeah, life. Yeah, your value. Your like, value, like, exactly. Yeah, they're like That's the worth best way. chips. Like I got it. I got 5,000, you know, value chips in the bank. And that's, yeah. Exactly. It's 100% right. And so even with people who have 5 million value chips in the bank account, right? They've got 5 million bucks in the account, in the bank account. They have some of the worst money anxiety, believe it or not. They, 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 they have more to lose, probably. Like, what, I'm poor. I don't care. I could lose all my money and still, like, my lifestyle would be barely any different. Here's the thing. Money anxiety disorder among the rich, for example, is a, an imaginary fear. It's an imagine. It does not exist. A person who's got five million bucks does not actually have to worry, am I going to make my rent this month? Someone like you or me or Chris or yeah, yeah, who might lose a job and six months into losing that job, um, you you know that person might in month six not pay the rent, get evicted, and that's not an imaginary fear. That's a legitimate fear, you know. Or you get a a a, um, a bad review from your boss, or you get let go from your job. Like that's a legitimate fear. People with five million bucks like. That should not be a legitimate fear. So, so there's a distinction between, you know, real anxiety and fear and imaginary anxiety and fear. And in America, I'm seeing, in my experience, most people have the imaginary fear. Even people that have, you know, six months of runway in their bank account should not have these imaginary fears. Like, it... it Anxiety and fear just basically clouds a person's mind mm-hmm. so much that they can't make healthy decisions, and yeah. they get in big fights with their and spouse. And that also probably affects the economy, too. Like, if the the top guys are, like, afraid of something happening and they withdraw a bunch of their money, wouldn't that, like, mess up the growth kind of thing? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Absolutely. The truth is the economy does require everyone's individual decisions on an aggregate cumulative basis. Um, but yeah, those guys matter, matter a lot. Um, but still, you, you know, you matter. We all matter individually as well, you know. Um, so, you know, my, I'm bringing this up because I just, I just like to basically um, introduce a topic. We've been talking about this every week about money and people's relationship with money. I feel like in America we have such an unhealthy relationship with money that even if you only have three months or six months or one year or two years of runway, it does not mean you need to fully embrace this imaginary anxiety which then causes you to fight with your partner, you fight with your roommates, 
be an angry person. Your anxiety starts to eat you alive. You then have like back pain for no uh, where you know no no legit reason. Um, you're not showing up to work now because you're you're scared about your money anxiety. <laughs> How funny is that? Not showing up to work because you're afraid you're not going to have enough money. Totally, dude. People people. Uh. People who go, people who have like sales jobs, right? You're say you're a car salesman or some other. So it's one of the most popular jobs in America, right? Like sales, sales. So if you're worried, like, oh man, I'm not, I didn't sell my thirty cars this month, and that happens three months in a row. If you embrace the anxiety, the imaginary fear, the anxiety, like, oh my god, then I'm not gonna be able to pay my rent. Then I'll lose my wife. Then my community won't respect me, and then I'll be a nobody. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. If you go to that, which a lot of people go to as salesmen. That's where your thoughts go. No one likes a fidgety salesman. No one like you're exactly. worried about that. You just smell that shit, right? Yeah. From a mile away. Like, you know what? I'm gonna buy my Ultima from someone else. Yeah, dude's panicking. I don't wanna <laughs> give this guy my money. Seriously, that that so so that's a great concrete example of like, yo, chill out with money anxiety, everyone. Everyone's got it. Don't freak out. Now, if you have a legit fear about not being able to pay your rent or whatever, like that's legit. And one can take steps to fix those problems. But if you're just like suffering from money anxiety like most people, most Americans, but you don't have that problem. Honestly, you know who has the least money anxiety? Like you said, dude. Poor people and like homeless people. Like they're the most chill people in the world. Like they don't even care. Like, yo, uh, give me a dollar. You know, like, they don't even care. Like they're not anxious. They're just chilling. Yeah. So it's really more. Maybe. I don't know how true that is. Am I, They're am not I, anxious. They're, am I? Am I going too far? With they got. That? They got a, I don't know. Maybe they're. Hmm? Maybe it's not money, but they're anxious that they have a, a shit in their pants and no other, <laughs> no change of clothes. What did you say? Yeah. Yeah. No. Because the bugs are in their skin and they can't scratch them out. Or honestly, when I see when I, I mean, first of all, I I. I I want to be respectful towards homeless people. Uh, so I want to be careful. Fuck them. I don't give a shit. <laughs> no, but, but Not it, me. In, in my desire to be respectful, let's, let's have a little fun with it. So like when I see a homeless person, honestly, and, and they typically will look like, yo, I, I, I don't care what I look like. I don't care that I got this bug crawling down my pants. I don't, they don't, it doesn't seem like they care. Am I, am I, to- that's I've probably more homeless. mental illness than, uh, <laughs> Okay, a money anxiety, yeah. You're saying that it's mental illness why they're not anxious? Uh, no, well, no. Well, it's meant why they seem like they uh, they don't care about their place, you know? Or yes. it seems like okay, that's yes. how they got there to begin with. I believe probably. there's truth to yeah, that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree. So um, my, my point there is like maybe homelessness is, is the extreme, but even – People who, who may not have the most means or the most money, um, they probably have less money anxiety, you know? Um, wh- what I would propose is for people to begin to equip themselves with tools to feel better about their money situation. You don't have to have a lot of money in this world to be happy. We all know that. In fact, all these... You know, surveys show like something beyond 50, 60, 70 grand a year, whether you have 100 grand, 200 grand, a million, two million, doesn't really make a big difference on your happiness level. Having like 10 versus 20 is a bigger level. Having 20 grand versus 50 grand, again, bigger, bigger impact. Um, But like getting more um, 
comfortable with math and the numbers and just setting a small budget, getting comfortable with like having a desk where you sit at once a month to pay your bills and just figure out your financial situation. These are like basic steps towards, you know, reducing one's money anxiety. I think money anxiety is most um, rampant in people who have like, who have not done anything to understand anything about money. Hmm. So, that, you, really, you think people that know less are are more anxious about it? More, know less about their own financial situation. Okay. People who people who people who do people who don't do a budget at all, mm-hmm. and people who don't understand anything about personal finance or, or you know how how money works. People who don't understand that at all, mm-hmm. budgets or money. I think are the most anxious. Really? Because I don't know anything. It just almost doesn't seem real to me, money. It's like this thing of like, I'll be fine, you know? And then, but like, yeah, I'm really not thinking like 10 years from now. I think a big part of it too probably is like, I don't have kids. I don't have anything. Like if I mess up, it's just me that it's affecting. I think you're actually more savvy with money than you know. Here's why. You're forced to Tell actually- my weed dealer that. What? <laughs> <laughs> Here, here's what I think, all right? Uh, you impose a budget upon yourself unconsciously. Yeah, you you yeah, know, maybe. these are the three th- most important things in my life. My rent, mm-hmm. my electricity, mm-hmm. my food, mm-hmm. and my weed. Mm-hmm. That's all I need to think about. Amen. It's you a know? holy quadruple Never mind. What? I was going to say it's a holy trinity of, of yeah. finance. Quadruple trinity of finance. Rent, food, weed. weed. Yeah. <laughs> we're losing hallucinating Yahya. We're, we're losing hallucinating Yahya. Really? With your eyes closed? <laughs> um, so. Uh, he, what? What? Oh, I said three things? Yeah. I went to four. Yeah, you're right. Um, this guy's way more alert while he's asleep than I thought. Yeah. So, um, but seriously, you then impose a budget on yourself in a way. You're like, all right, I just need to cover this, this, and that. As life gets a little bit more complicated, let's say you bring a girlfriend in one day. Guess what? I want an anniversary gift. Ugh, yes, you shut do. Shut up, stupid. That's what I would say. <laughs> and then you'd be back to being single. <laughs> yeah, that's better. <laughs> Uh, so yeah so she's like I want I want an anniversary gift okay and then you're like you know I got a girlfriend and I'm still f-ing lonely I need a dog and so you get a dog and now you got a budget for the dog and then you get the dog and it's like you know this dog he could use some I don't know dog nip or something is that a, is that a thing no alright um, he could use some toys you got a budget for some toys and then you're like you know I'm gonna go take a, cl- a comedy class and improve my skills now you got a budget for that Oh man, you just got a gig and you made some more money. Holy cow, I just made a hundred grand this year. Guess what? I'm gonna buy a car. You buy a car. Now I need insurance and blah blah blah. And so now budgeting went from re- being really simple. Oh yeah. To being way. So the more, more you have it, just the more stuff you have to worry about. Exactly. Because just kind of that kind of comes with the territory. Exactly. Yeah. And the most people will just focus on making the income. That's all they care about, and they don't think about their financial overall well-being. And so the money anxiety takes hold. So how would you define the difference between your income and your financial well-being? Thank you. Wonderful question, pricks. Pricks? 
uh, rickety prick. Rickety prick. Mm-hmm. Uh, one little question, Sam Prickett. Um, income is very simple. It's your W-2. It's the paycheck you take home. It's booking the comedy gig and getting paid 500 bucks for it, and you walk home with that 500 bucks. That's income. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. Financial well-being is how you handle what you're getting at. Yeah. You, you now have what's coming in, the mm-hmm. income, but you're also thinking about what's going out. You're also thinking about a rainy day fund so that you can just quit your job one day if you wanted to, and you have six months of runway to find another job. It's thinking about, hey, should I? I got a hundred bucks extra. Should I buy Tesla stock and then just hang on to it for the next 10 years? And then it becomes worth 50 grand. It's like, that was the best hundred dollars I ever put in there. I got 50 grand now. And now I can put my kids through college and blah, blah, blah. So that's financial well-being is thinking about a, um, a more three-dimensional picture. Whereas income is a very one-dimensional picture. And I'm telling you, most people just think about income and they're on a hamster on a wheel running as fast as they can to catch more income. And you they, that's not actually the solution to money anxiety. That's not actually the solution to why you fight with your wife a lot or her husband a lot. It's not. Getting more income is not going to solve those those fighting financial well-being and sitting down once a month for just like an hour and just talking to your partner about like hey, here's what we spent, here's what we brought in. Are we cool with this? Cool, let's keep going. Mm-hmm. Or like, damn, maybe I shouldn't have bought that $4,000 dog. Okay. Let's be careful next time. Is it a uh, a Ferrari dog? That dog's. Oh, man. This is a dog who gets goes to the has needs to go to the salon, needs to get its nails done. This, you don't have one of these dogs? Mm-mm, no. Neither do I. I have a I have a, a raccoon that lives by the dumpsters <laughs> at my place. His name's Randy. He's a nice guy. We eat at the same place. Where, where, in, where is that? The dumpster. The dumpster. We eat scraps <laughs> together. <laughs> So I'd say, you know, money anxiety is a real thing. Wake up to financial well-being versus income. Start to think about a budget. Start early with a budget. Just get a little tiny bit of knowledge. Get comfortable with numbers. They're not that they're not that hard. I've done it. Um it, it, I'm not talking about investing in the stock market right now. I'm not talking about any of that stuff. Just just money anxiety and solving that problem. All right. I'm gonna move on to our last topic, Tesla. Elon Musk, our boy, we like talking about him and his AI and his technology and his robots. That's scary. That is a weird thing. We're probably we're good. Is Tesla one of the, the the sex robot people? Is he making sex robots too? I don't I don't know if he's into doing. He but, should. Well, here's the thing. He's always doing something new, and that's why investors are afraid to give him more money. So he. Yeah, no, he's, a, he's, he's making secret sex robots. He's really a, a pioneer of the field, but we don't know about but, it yet. Wait, but is there really a company out there making sex robots? Yeah, they're huge. Yeah, we're getting sex robots before we're getting regular robots. It's scary. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting sex robots before we get regular robots. We had the Roomba. That's kind of a robot. Yeah, but that, that's you can make that a sex robot. You know what I mean? <laughs> It does have good Clean suction. something. It does have good suction. I don't own a Roomba, but I hear they 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 do well. It, wow! So we're getting second. so 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 Elon Musk, the CEO of Tesla, has been very frustrated with investors, shareholders, and especially uh, investment banking analysts and researchers on his quarterly earnings call. The call where he gets on the phone and explains how much money they made or lost. And so you guys know, entirely in, te- in Tesla's entire existence, they've never made an do- actual dollar. They've lost money every single quarter. 
Tesla's worth, I think, $70 billion on the stock market. Um, and Elon Musk came out and said, so, so first of all, he had this big drama on an earnings call a few months ago where he basically started telling people who were asking questions, that's a dumb question, next. That's a dumb question, next. That is like the exact opposite of how a CEO should be on a call because a whole CEO's job is to help the stock price of the company go up. So you want to be cool and answer the questions. questions though. Were they like, what's your favorite color? And then like, that's a dumb question. <laughs> it's just kind of the right answer. Stupid question. Yeah. Next, what's your favorite vegetable? Cauliflower, next. So uh, Elon Musk, this, 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 you know, immigrant, by the way, from South Africa. Um, we're losing Yahya. We're losing Yahya. Hallucinating Yahya. Say something, Yahya. Better than that right now. <laughs> um, uh, so Elon Musk, who's been really frustrated with, with investors and public shareholders and everyone. Uh, we, <laughs> we can't, I can't get enough of Yahya. <laughs> He's, he's, he's falling sleep, apart, man. He's, he's sleeping. At, he's sleeping on the podcast. It's great. It's just funny, man. I'm sorry, I can't ignore it. So Elon Musk from South Africa, this immigrant, super pissed at everyone, came out on the last earnings call two weeks ago and apologized for his behavior. So it was like, okay, maybe this guy realizes that he needs to be friendly to shareholders so he can raise more money and finish his, his, his I think it's called the Model 3, this electric car that's supposed to be for the masses so anyone can buy one for a cheap price. He's been having huge assembly, assembly line problems, hasn't been able to produce as fast as he wanted to. Um, he's talking about building a place in China, uh, building a, a factory in China. Um, he, he stays up till like 3 in the morning on these assembly lines himself working there that's that's not true there's no way that's what he he's says. working well, his own assembly line i mean he, he's he's yes yes elon musk he's doing the drilling the things in or is he just there yelling at people to do a better job let me think my guess is a lot of the, his assembly lines are technology based with some assembly workers okay yeah. so he's probably thinking like why are we not able to get five thousand cars a week so he's probably in the assembly line looking at the technology, understanding it, and saying, wait a minute, this machine that throws wheels on the car is not efficient enough. It's taking way too long. Get rid of this machine. You, you know, Tom, put the wheels on manually. That's actually more efficient. I was being way too aggressive with the robots. Yeah. And right. then he goes and sleeps under his desk with a sex robot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wakes up at okay. 7 a.m. and does it again. Sex Roomba. So, um, so, so Elon is so frustrated with public shareholders and all these people asking him so many questions, giving him such a hard time, that he sent out a tweet saying, uh, "Taking, I, I got, I should read the tweet. I don't have the exact tweet, but it, the gist of it was taking Tesla private, funding secured, which is a huge announcement for a CEO to make on Twitter. Huge." Basically, every public shareholder is like, what? You're saying that you found a guy who's going to give you $70 billion and is going to pay me my money? The stock immediately shot up like, I forgot how much, 5 or 10%, I think. And it made a huge impact in people's pockets. Like whoever was an investor in Tesla like, yeah. made a bunch of money. A lot of people who were short the stock, meaning people who are betting that the stock goes down, which you can do, lost billions. So they're trying to sue Elon for what he said because what we're finding out is Elon does not have funding secured necessarily. Everyone thought it might be Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia is like, no. Oh, man. 
that that you can't do that. You can't just like bluff. It's not like poker where that's like part of it. Hell no, you cannot uh, because because the markets are moving on every piece of news. Man, that's scary. That's uh so you have to like watch you really can't joke if you're in control of uh whatever. Yeah. <laughs> no, your jokes are gonna your jokes are gonna be pretty dry. We yeah. just lost a billion dollars, but we'll be fine. Don't worry. Yeah. No, it doesn't work. So now, um, you know, the SEC, the, the government agency, is looking into Tesla and, and figuring out whether he broke the law. And uh, if he did break the law, he'll have to deal with consequences. He'll be fined. And uh, there's all sorts of consequences. Um, the big question is, like, are they really going private? Like, will they not have to worry about public stock markets and answering to the public anymore? You know that 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 question has not been answered yet. Nobody nobody really knows if Elon even really has a, a person to fund and buy this seventy billion dollar company. It's a huge number. You don't just take this kind of company. It would probably be one of the biggest companies going private ever. That's crazy. Would that would like the electric cars affect the oil stock if like we're not using that anymore? Uh, should we start betting against oil? <laughs> You know, um, that's a great point. So here's Elon Musk's tweets. Yeah. Taking Tesla private. Investor support confirmed. Only reason why this is not certain. Oh, he lied about that? Oh, no. I'm sorry. I, I think, He's I continuing. Think he, I think he did. It was just such a generic statement. Mm -hmm. Investor support is confirmed. Only reason why this is not certain is that it's contingent on a shareholder vote. So shareholders have to vote. Definitely no forced sales. Hope all shareholders will remain. Will be a way smoother and less disruptive as a private company. Yeah, he was saying will be way smoother and less disruptive as a private company. Ends negative propaganda from shorts. So he was basically in some way trying to attack the shorts, the people who sell his company short. Um, so then you, once you take a, like a private company as a company, you can't buy stock in, right? Because it's not. It's not, it's not listed on the stock exchange. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, you could buy it, but you'd have to get in touch with the company directly and try and buy it, which no one really, that's much harder to do. Uh, my hope is all current investors remain with Tesla, even if we're private, would create special purpose fund enabling anyone to stay with Tesla. Already do this with Fidelity's SpaceX investment. So Fidelity, I guess, has made an investment in his SpaceX company. Am considering taking Tesla private at 420, funding secured. So that was the, the big bombshell so you know um right now i would say um be careful with tesla you know if you're a day trader trading tesla that's great trade it buy it sell it just watch watch the graph and do whatever you want with it uh, but if you're like hey should i hold tesla for the next 10 years or are they going to really go private um it, it's just it's it's touch and go right now it's just not clear like he's put out information that would suggest you should buy the stock but it doesn't feel like he really has funding secured. So I'd be like, maybe sell the stock. So, you know, I'd be careful with Tesla right now. It's 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 a little bit of a, a, a mine field. Man, that's crazy. He seems like a, just a weird character, too. He's dating some lady. Who's he dating? Do you know? Grimes is her name. She's like a weird musician girl that's, I think, what, 40 years younger than he is? Whoa. It goes to those uh, Burning Man things. We got a CEO that probably takes acid. That's kind of cool. <laughs> I wonder if that's why he's so creative. Maybe. That makes sense. 
I mean, SpaceX, Tesla. Yeah. He let's built go, that let's go submarine. To the fucking moon. <laughs> he literally. Yeah. Let's go to the moon. So, make um, a rocket ship. Does he actually make? Does he know how this stuff works, or is he just like an idea guy? Does he like ah make this, and then like people that know what they're doing? Anyone know? Does anyone know about Elon Musk? I don't know. Um, I I tend to think he he is a rocket scientist. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. He just like picked up a book on engineering. He's like, oh, this is how you do it. And they're like, oh fuck. (laughs) This is just like a really smart guy. Yeah, he's pretty special. He's Jesus of Silicon Valley. Yeah, they love him. That's cool. Um. So so. I think he, he was married and has like five kids. I think they're all boys. He's married to the chick from Westworld. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. So she's an actress. Yeah. This guy likes actresses and musicians. It's a specialty. Yeah. He was banging Johnny Depp's ex-wife for a while. What? Yeah. This guy's right, right in the heart of pop culture too, huh? He's like, he's like the real life, like like uh, the Tony Stark, like Iron Man. Yeah. Kind of. He is. I think he, he is. He's Tony Stark on Elon Musk. Is that true? Oh wow! There you go. He's in the second one. Elon is? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I haven't watched many of those Marvel movies. Yeah. So that's Tesla. Careful what you do there. Some minefields. Um, noon, guys. You've been listening to business news and other shit. Uh, I'm Amr. Thanks for joining us, Sam. Thank you for having me. Hallucinating Yeah, it's been awesome to have you. <laughs> He's actually becoming translucent. He's fading out of reality. And our kick-ass producer, Chris Broadhead. Thank you, Chris. All right. Uh, Sam, where can, uh, where can uh, listeners find out more about you? Um, Twitter and Instagram, at Smug Prickett. Uh, Facebook, Sam Prickett. You know, that's Facebook, the Sam Prickett. Awesome. And if you want to uh, catch us doing some open mics, we're always around the city in Chicago. All right. Uh, P-R-I-C-K-E-T-T Like prick Like little Little dick Literally <laughs> Oh Pricket Like uh, Like a parkette Is a small park Or a, a kitchenette park. Is a small kitchen Yeah A prickette Prickette Is a small prick a little prick We're out Peace Disclaimer I do not provide Personal investment advice And I am not a qualified Licensed investment advisor I am an amateur investor. All information found here, including any ideas, opinions, views, predictions, forecasts, commentaries, suggestions, or stock picks expressed or implied herein are for informational, entertainment, or educational purposes only and should not be construed as personal investment advice. While the information provided is believed to be accurate, it may include errors or inaccuracies. I will not and cannot be held liable for any actions you take as a result of anything you read, hear, or see here. Conduct your own due diligence, consult a licensed financial advisor or broker before making any and all investment decisions. Any investments, trades, speculations, or decisions made on the basis of any information found on this show, expressed or implied herein, are committed at your own risk, financial or otherwise. Business news and other shit, hereafter known as BNOS, reflects my own views, ideas, and opinions. It is not a production of my employer, nor is it affiliated with any any broker-dealer or registered investment advisor. No representations or warranties are made with respect to the accuracy or completeness of the content of this entire show, including any links to other sites. The links provided are maintained by their respective organizations, and they are solely responsible for their content. All information presented here is provided as is, without warranty of any kind, expressed or implied. From time to time, I may include affiliate links and advertisements on BNOS that result in my receiving a payment should a visitor click on the link or sign up to a service as per established in their practice. Readers are entirely responsible for any actions they take as a result of reading or clicking on links on the site and are urged to read the small print. Sound fair enough? 
then please subscribe to Beanos. It's free via RSS or email.